And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Chris Reavers manning Technology Corner, Kenny Olson from the Krabby Coffee Shop, John Height in the newsroom, and of course, the rookie. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and the keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Sushir. It's Reavers here in the GL Podcast Studios with today's best of Garage Logic. And normally, Joe would be here to give you those weather records, but I do not have those because I'm technically recording this on Thoy's Day, so I don't have those weather records. But they are brought to you by ProfessionalTurf.com. Let's not delay anymore. Let's get to the best of Garage Logic. Here you go. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores. Time for Author's Corner with Joe Souchere. Author's Corner with Joe Souchere. Where's the the good one? This this is it. Right here. Hey, ladies and gentlemen of Garage Logic, it's time to gear up for Souchere's Author's Corner. Fantastic. You need the play. Vince Flynn is here. There's the one. That's Hand the me one. that yes, book back, please. Gentlemen. It's time. You think I'm going to steal it? No, I, I, I need it for my questions. <laughs> this author. Okay, Matt. Oh, thank okay, you. You need go. the bowling thank you. one. The strike? Yes. Vince. I'll find that for next. Vince Flynn. Could we keep the house down now? The man's here. We're ready. Kill shot comes out Tuesday. And I'm here first. Well, of course As you are, always, and we appreciate it's, it's it. It's the tradition. Is this a second prequel? Yes. So the idea was American Assassin was number one. We was, that's the beginning of Mitch Rap. Yep. It's it's the beginning of Rap, but it's eleventh in the Rap series. Right. But it's 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 what you call a prequel in the business. Right. And so what I did was there's going to be three prequels. Oh, there are. That's what I was going to ask. They're part of the American Assassin series. Okay. And I'm the next prequel is going to have to wait. Because I've, I enjoyed writing American Assassin. I enjoyed writing Kill Shot. But now I've taken two years doing that. Right. And part of the success of my career has been that I get out in front of what's going to happen next. Right. And watching everything that's been going on, and you know, with Afghanistan and Iran and Iraq and uh, Pakistan, I, I just look at it and I say, I, I got to get back. Mm-hmm. I got to get back to the here and now. Oh, okay. okay. So the next book, which I already started. Oh. Which will be number fourteen, thirteen in the rap series. Will be, it'll be Mitch Rap here and now. But it won't be part of the American Assassin no. series, which is a subtext yep. of the Mitch Rap series. Yeah. So I'll go. F- I'll write that other one at some point. <laughs> Lee Child's latest, called The Affair, yep. was the was the prequel. Correct. It it introduced us to Jack Reacher still in the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Sanford's most recent, John Camp, was buried prey, took us back to the beginning of Lucas Davenport. Are these inevitable uh, that this happens? Uh, I found all three interesting. I found your prequel interesting. Yeah. I found Lucas Davenport interesting. I found Reacher interesting. Is it inevitable that when you hit the success you have, you've got to take the reader back to the beginning? You know, it's, I've, I've never thought of it quite that way. I'd give the analogy, you know, you've, got a, you've bought, uh, you know, 20,000 acres out in the Bakken field. Mm-hmm. And you start drilling in a certain area. Right. And after you've drilled so many wells, you realize, you know what, there, there's another area over there that yeah. it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be ripe to go hit. 
And we authors, I mean, I, I'll admit it, and privately we usually admit it, um, we can get bored with these characters mm-hmm. when you're doing a book a year. And so for me to stay fresh, I always had it in my mind that I wanted to go tell that origin story. Because when the readers met Rap originally in Transfer of Power, he was in his mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And so you got an entire decade of him as an operative that, that you haven't touched on. So I just thought it was natural that sooner or later I'd go back and I'd write those books. And, um, you know, I, I think people find it fascinating because they think they know him. Mm-hmm. And they do for the most part. Mm-hmm. But then they go back and, and people say, you know, I've been asked, did you learn anything when you were? And I, I kind of did. You know, there, I had a rough template of, rap, of what rap was like in his 20s, but I hadn't really dove into it. So going back and writing it, I, I learned more about rap than I, I had even considered. How far along were you on this book in November of 2010 on Kill Shot? On Kill Shot, had I... You, had you even started it? No. Okay. I had, ju- you had I just w- finished American Assassin? I had just finished touring with American, for American, Ass- Assassin. For American Assassin. Then what happened? Well, I came home, and uh, I just finished an event at the Reagan Library uh, out in California. And uh, I had driven up from San Diego the day before that, and I was in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. I was having a hard time in, you know, in the car. I was really uncomfortable. My publicist was with me. and I What was, kind of pain? Uh, my hip. Okay. My hip was hurting me a lot. Uh, my Did you bl- think it was a, a muscular problem? Well, so I got to go back a little earlier right. than that. You know, I I'd started to notice some pain. I was sitting at my my stepson's confirmation back um, in early September, and you know, I was on a hard church pew, and I I could tell something was wrong. I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. Hmm. It it really hurts to sit. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, some other things happened, and I went in and saw my my GP Jason Reed here in town. And my PSA was elevated, mm-hmm. and he said, "You know what? Um, you're you're a young guy. I don't want you to worry about this. You, you're you know elevated prostate typically or PSA typically means you know prostatitis, which is a bacterial infection. Mm-hmm. So I went on antibiotics. I actually started to feel better, which leads us to believe that I had both mm-hmm. prostate cancer and prostatitis. And then I went on tour, and these tours are grueling. You know, you get up at the crack of dawn to catch a flight or do an interview." And you're you go all night, and for me, it's a nice problem to have. But these events were all running three to five hours. Mm-hmm. I I make sure I take time with each fan and everything, and um, I was just getting wiped out. And uh, that last week of the tour, I called my doctor back home. I said, "Listen, I I think I need more antibiotics." Mm-hmm. So I ca- I finished up the tour. I came home, and we went in. And my PSA had gone from fourteen to twenty-two. What's it supposed to be? Ideally, at my age, you know, uh, less than one, oh, okay. less than 1.5, yeah. two at the most. Yeah. So he sent me to Bill Utes, who's a, is a doctor out in Edina, runs Urology Associates. And uh, Bill didn't tell me until a little later, but he knew almost immediately that, that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So I came in, he did a, they do a little ultrasound deal, and he said, you know, I want you to come in tomorrow morning and get biopsied. And went in and, and did the biopsy, and he called, you know, it's a day that changed my life. Uh, he called me that night, and, <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah. uh, he's like, I've got bad news. Mm-hmm. And you just, you can't, you can't believe what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hardest thing for, for Lisa and I was, there was about a 48-hour period where we didn't know what to tell the kids. Mm-hmm. We just kept getting bad news. Uh, you know, it was, the biopsy came back positive. Um, all 12 core samples, um, and then it was, we need you in here tomorrow morning to do bone scans and all kinds of other things. 
those came back. And at the time, I, I didn't know a lot about metastatic prostate cancer. And it's something that typically older guys get. And when the bone scan came back and said, you know, you've got, it's metastasized in three spots, from what little I had heard was, it's a death sentence. Did a doctor tell you that? No, I hadn't been told that yet. But Dr. Utes, Bill, he was great. He's like, listen, we're going to stay on top of this. We're going to figure this out. And then I went over to Dr. Kennedy at the University of Minnesota. He was the first guy to give me some hope. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, the very next week, I was down at Mayo, sitting in front of Eugene Kwan, who runs their department down there. And this guy is just, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? You're young, you're healthy. This has stayed isolated in the pelvis. Um, we've got a real chance at beating this thing. Stay positive. And it's been 16 months now. Uh, things got worse last summer. Right. And then uh, I started radiation in August. and I, In August of just this past August. This past August. That's why I delayed the pub. Right. I, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't sit to write. It hurt so bad. The pain was would continued from the onset of the diagnosis. It, it got a little better. And then last summer it started to get worse. Mm-hmm. And then I had some micro tears of muscles and tendons pulling off of that bone, and that created a lot of problems. Uh, the tumor on the prostate traveled laterally and grabbed a hold of a nerve bundle, which which would bring about like a sciatica-like pain times okay. ten. Right. And it was it was a tough summer. And but during then, the summer, were you writing kill shot? Yes, I was trying to write kill shot. <laughs> how how could you? I'd, I'd disappear up above the garage at the cabin for a couple hours and try to focus. I had a stand-up desk as well. How so difficult kind of was it to focus? It was really hard. Yeah. Really hard. And um, and that's and I, I'm so stubborn, you know, I'm telling my doctors, well, let's just hold off on the radiation. i got to finish this book. Mm-hmm. I want to get this next book done. You know, I, uh, my fans are looking for it in the fall. And it got so bad, they just said, come on. Mm-hmm. So I called New York. I said, we got to move the pub date. Started radiation in August, and it was within about two weeks. I started to know. I started to feel better. Really, and it improved, improved, improved. And then at week six, I got out of bed one day, and it felt like I had an elephant on my back. It, the radiation just takes the wind right out of your sails. But the pain kept getting less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did, the being tired didn't bum me out. If anything, you know, it's kind of like a male pregnancy. You, mm-hmm. you, for the first time in your life, you don't have to feel guilty about taking a nap. You just mm-hmm. go lay down because right. you got to sleep. Yeah. And uh, you kind of lose your appetite and some other things. And there's some other side effects that, that I'll, uh, you, you and your listeners don't want, really want to hear. But uh, it, I was shocked how much better I began to feel. I was treated, over, again, over dying at Southdale by Dr. Olson and his people. And it was like... It was so easy, it was ridiculous. In the preface, you thank a great number of doctors. Yeah, I, I've had... Right, in the acknowledgments. Yeah, I have had phenomenal medical treatment, and uh, I'm, I've, I've been a little surprised, you know, because I've been healthy my whole life. So it's one of these deals, You, you a lot of authors, you hear them complain about their publisher and their agent and their right. editor and blah, 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 and I'm lucky. I've got, I've never, I've had a great editor, great agent, great publisher. My experience with the medical community so far is I, they're all rock stars. Right. Every doctor and nurse I've dealt with has been fantastic. When you were writing this summer, were there times when you walked away from the writing because it wasn't passing your muster? Did you... um, that always happens. No, but I mean, <laughs> it's like were golf. there days when you were writing when you realized that uh, you weren't able to focus and you, you walked away from the writing? Yes, and that's unusual for me because when I'm under deadline, I tend to really buckle down. And 
part of it is you're just when you're when you're under a hard deadline, you're you run out of time. Mm-hmm. You have no choice. You have to produce. At what point did you tell New York we're not going to publish this on its original date, which was supposed to have been what last fall, November first or something okay. like that? And you called them and said this isn't going to happen. You know they were they've been very concerned about my health. Um, they're they're they've all become friends, so mm-hmm. they're more than just business associates. And they, since the beginning, they've been saying, "Listen, you got to do whatever you need to do to make sure you're healthy." I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, writers doing nothing is bad. You, your mind starts. To go, right. You've got to get on the treadmill and do it. So I wanted to write. I gave it a shot. And come August, the page count wasn't there. I know what I have to write. I know what I'm capable of writing. And when I started radiation, I was still kind of pushing. And then the fatigue hit, and I went, "This isn't going to work." I'd go sit in my office, you know, and I'd, I'd turn on the computer, and I'd start to write, and 15 minutes later, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go lay down for oh, a while. Oh, man. And, 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 co- and I, I, coffee wasn't going to work. None of that stuff was going was gonna to do it. Right. You know, so you just, you had to just rest. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the great part are about you pa- it, Are you over that hump? Now? Yes. Oh. I still get fatigued. Mm-hmm. I signed a... I signed about uh, somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 copies for Barnes & Noble yesterday. So mm-hmm. all the BNNs in town will have signed copies. On Tuesday. Yeah, Harmar will have the most. Uh, Galleria will have the second most. But they'll all have signed copies. Once Upon a Crime will also have signed copies mm-hmm. probably in about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I was exhausted last night. I got home and I, I'm, not, I'm not the guy I used to be. I feel good, but tr- I have... I have uh, I have to go to bed at ten o'clock. <laughs> w- will you? Will you be the guy you used to be? In other words, are you still on a road of improvement? I am. You know, they say the radiation can, you know, for about a year and a half to two years, will continue to do its magic. But while it does it, it it can be rough on your body, and you can get latent effects that come in, and and uh, they're not the most enjoyable things to experience. But in light of the pain I was in, mm-hmm. and some of the other side effects that I had. This is easy street. Mm-hmm. I was telling Patrick in the hallway, I woke up three weeks ago, and for the first time in three years, I didn't have any pain. Hmm. I couldn't believe it. So a little fatigue is nothing. Right. It's just, it's you, you're tired. You go to bed. Are you done with the doctors? No, gosh, no. Oh, We've got, Are you done with radiation? I'm, uh, yeah, for the moment I'm done with radiation. Um, my, my, my most recent report down at Mayo um, in mid-January... Everything looked good. The bone scans uh, came back. The spot on my femur's gone. The spot in my pelvis has been reduced by about 70%. Healthy bone growth. Growth. I've got a small spot on my iliac that we might go after at some point. And still no soft tissue involvement, which is, which is really big. You know, that's, that's the thing you've got to stay away from. But three new drugs were approved last year. They expect five more to be approved this year. I mean, it, like Quan said, you never want to get what I've got. Mm-hmm. But if there's ever a time to get it, this is this is the time, because what, your your youth and the uh, onset of new medications. Yeah, the, the the my relative fitness and the fact that they've got just a ton of drugs that are coming out, and they're really starting to make some advances. You know, this is a disease that uh, for many years they've been focused on the guys who are in their 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. and they're, what they're starting to figure out is if they can cure the young guys like me that get the aggressive type of prostate cancer. The rest of it will all fall into place. Guys will be taking pills, Joe, to cure this thing. Really? They're not going to be getting their, their prostates ripped out more than likely, uh, you know, in 10 years. It's, it's going to... And it's not lifestyle. 
It's not a lifestyle no. cancer. No, it isn't. Um, you know, it's the, one of the problems is it's it's hereditary. Um, and my father was diagnosed with it uh, about 15 years ago. Is he still with us? And he's still with us. Yeah. Uh, so he beat it, but it never got to his bones, thankfully. It did um, get to yours. It did get to mine, which that's that's where the problem comes in. But they're getting better and better at, at dealing with it. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know I have people all the time you know I I like to have the occasional cigar. Right. I had a guy come up to me at a function uh, <laughs> last summer and he's like, "So is this a cigars?" And I'm like, uh, "No, it has nothing to do with the cigars. No, no, it has absolutely nothing. No, no. <laughs> not, a, not even remotely. And trust me, in this state, it's not like you can become a cigar fiend. Uh, right. It's it's very difficult. You're a big player uh, in the publishing world. Uh, no, you are. You're a big player in the publishing world. You're one of the gang that your releases go directly to the New York Times bestseller <clears throat> list. This mm-hmm. will. I have no doubt that this will. Uh, what was? I don't want you to. I don't intend this question to be uncharitable. But was there ever a time when you sensed that 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 generic New York entity known as publishing would would bail on you, or were they terribly supportive? Um. Breaking in was the hardest part. Right. Getting into the club. You're in the club. Though. Yeah. So I'm in the club. You know, they publish term limits. I, you know, I've got that Minnesota work ethic. Mm-hmm. I the first tour was 30 cities. The next tour was like 35 or 40 cities. And when I'd land in these towns, I'd go to every darn store there was and shake hands and sign books and really, really worked hard at building the base. And eventually. They these books just grew one after another. I had a very supportive publisher. Uh, um, eventually, it, we, I had a publicist every year until about my seventh book, and then David Brown came on board, and he's really helped stabilize things. Publicists are very important. And um, you're right. There's a little bit of inertia here. You get to a certain level, and if you just get up and you write a good book, things are going to take care of themselves. Right, but what I mean is, did you ever sense that you know, it's what what have you done for us lately? Did you ever sense these if I don't produce this book, these people are gonna cut me loose? Yeah, I suppose you're right, Joe. I you know, I I, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that because I made sure I wrote page turners. I have a great agent who made sure my publisher uh bettered their publishing plan mm-hmm. every year. Now I'll tell you what's been crazy. This has been a decade that has been one of the worst decades in publishing. Right. A lot of stuff has happened. Hold that thought, and we'll get back to the book in just a moment. When we uh, come back, we have Dave Dahls. No, I bet it's uh, Ken Barlow. Ken Barlow on Friday afternoon. Weekend weather forecast. Anderson Brothers Outdoors, a very cool story. It's two brothers, Christoph and Justin, and they started this business way back when they were in junior high school. You know, mowing lawns around the neighborhood, things of that nature. Well, they kept at it, and they worked really hard, and now they have grown into a premier outdoor living business. Anderson Brothers Outdoors. It's a full design and build outdoor construction company. So whether you're interested in a custom natural water composite deck, maybe a paver patio, hardscaping, pools, outdoor kitchens, or you got something else entirely in mind, doesn't matter. They look forward to creating the outdoor space that you desire. They're GLers too, by the way. They'll consult with you to design your dream outdoor living space, and you'll get to take a look at a personalized 3D rendering of the design prior to the start of the project. And you've got to check out some of their amazing work that they have done. You can look them up online, AndersonBrosOutdoors.com. 
Anderson Bros, B-R-O-S, outdoors.com. You've been thinking of pulling the trigger on that dream outdoor space. Christoph and Justin are your guys. Anderson Bros, outdoors.com. Please tell them that Garage Logic sent you. Help your engine run better and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment. Seafoam cleans harmful gum and varnish from the entire fuel system. It's safe and it's easy to use in all kinds of trucks and cars and machinery. Just pour it in your fuel tank and let it go to work. You can pick up a can anywhere automotive products are sold. I'm talking auto parts stores, big retailers, hardware, farm stores, all over the world. A local company with a global reach and a wonderful product in a world of bad gas, Seafoam. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. What's it time for there, little Mickey? Well, you know, certainly, sir, that it's time for the prize vault, so we get our little sounder going here. Rewarding you just for tuning in. It's time for this hour's prize vault. Listen and win code. What's the word? Well, I was informed that I do have to read this stuff as well today. We I got see. An email. Vince, do you play the prize vault? Do you, uh, do you, no, no, I don't. Play oh, what, you get points? You get a coffee <laughs> yeah, mug or something? <laughs> yeah, you get a nice picture, autograph picture of the rookie, Vince. The only, the only card, the only, the only kind of game that I play is yeah. I have an Axel's dining card that oh, my yeah? wife got. That's okay. it. All That's right. the only thing. Well, we can add this to your list now because right now in the vault events, we've got tickets to spend a romantic Valentine's Day in Lake Minnetonka. There you go. And an Insignia HD radio boombox. The listen and win code gets you 2,500 points. You are rewarded for listening when you enter it correctly. 2,500 points, the prize vault, 1500ESPN.com. Your listen and win code is... I don't know what it is. Cook. Cook. And Vince, tell me why it's Cook. Because Uh. Mitch Rapp originally... Was a cook? Was a short order cook, and I gave Flynn the idea years ago. <laughs> oh, One late Monday this? night no. at about is he five minutes to, steal to midnight. This? He is so funny. He's, He's a short to order steal cook. It. His name is Mitch Rapp, and <laughs> this guy steals it from me and he makes has millions. He's never been a short order cook. No. I don't know I what he was. He was a uh, lacrosse player at Syracuse Thank University. You. And he Thank was so you. damn mad at their flipping burgers and fries <laughs> that he went nuts and he wanted to start killing people. I got a, a Mike's been waiting a long time sure, to ask you a question. Mike, go ahead. Yes, Vince. Uh, question on ebooks. If you sold a hundred ebooks, what percentage would it break down between Amazon, Apple, and uh, and let's see, Barnes and Noble and somebody else? That's a very good question. The three main players are Amazon, Nook, Barnes and Noble, and then Apple iBooks. And this this is all changing on a monthly basis, but roughly right now, the split is about sixty five Amazon, uh, twenty to uh, a little over 20, 23 to, to B&N, and about 17 to uh, to Apple. I think that math worked correct, did it not? All right. 13, and 13. Don't look at me. 13. I'm not the math guy. If you sold 100 units, whether it be a printed book or an e-book, how many are e-books and how many are printed? That's changed. That's changing drastically. Um, last year, um, we I netted, let's just say, 800,000 new books on American Assassin and about 300,000 of those were ebooks. Um we expect that number to push between 40 and 50% this time out. All right. And then the last question, Amazon always brags that uh you know their accounts receivables are now up to 65 days or 73 days. And they think that's good that they don't pay their vendors fast. Yeah. Um 
are all of them that way, or are some of them worse than others that you say, where in the heck is that check from blank and blank? Well, you know, borders. We were having issues with borders getting payments. Um, and some when they declared bankruptcy, I have no doubt that some publishers were left in the lurch. I'll be sifting through it in my royalty statement about uh, nine months from now. And I'll probably find out that I had to eat, uh, you know, a hundred grand from borders that they never paid us for. Um, so that 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 does happen. Now, often what we do is we offer terms. So we'll get Barnes and Noble to take in a large quantity of a book for a new publication, and because we get them to take in a large quantity, instead of giving them thirty days net, we'll give them sixty days net. Sometimes push it out to ninety. Um, Simon Schuster doesn't do that very often, but I. Uh, you know, it's it's going more and more digital. The question is, when are we going to hit that kind of equilibrium, where you've you've got you've picked up the most digital readers that you can, and I I think that number is going to settle in around sixty percent or so for me. Now I'm for some weird reason I was hot on the digital deal early on, and uh, I'm one of two authors at Simon and Schuster that have sold over a million digital copies. Mike, thank you. I did not know, and you are revealing to us, I did not know that you had this interest in the business end of it. I've always followed it closely. You have. I've always, we've all, we always try to refine the publications, the backlist marketing. It's, you know, I, I have a, I had an economics degree from St. Thomas mm -hmm. and then worked for Kraft General Foods and then United Properties. So I have a business background and I, I've always thought it was important to understand what they were doing. And uh, Carolyn Reedy, who runs Simon & Schuster, has said to my agent and I before, you know, this is this is a great relationship. You guys have pushed us to be better publishers, and we think we've made you better a better author and a better agent. Are you headed to a uh, publishing future where the new Mitch Rapp book will be available only electrically, electronically? Um, so Amazon's already tried that. Mm -hmm. And they've tried it with a couple of authors who, I, I'll just be blunt, um, their careers weren't really going anywhere. They were, honestly, they were headed in reverse. Mm -hmm. And so, Want to name names? Uh, not really. All right. All right. <laughs> and so they tried it. And what happened was, um, you know, they did okay. They offered the books digitally at a much lower uh, price. The problem for someone like me is, if I do that, I just explained to you, I'm I'm foregoing 35% of the market. Right. Just on the digital side alone, if you make an exclusive deal with uh, Amazon, you are really going to upset BNN mm -hmm. and iBooks. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do business with you. They're not going to sell your backlist. They're not going to do anything. So you are going to really be affected to the tune of, of a lot of dough. When we come back, let's get into the uh, the the... There's two prongs of intrigue that Mitch Rapp continues to encounter. Let's discuss that in just a moment. DK Mags has a full stock of the best, the latest, and most modern firearms and ammunition in stock. DK Mags can also take special orders on specialty items, or those hard-to-source items. You know what I mean. Hop on the website, dkmags.com, start shopping. But if you don't see it on the website, you've got to call in or stop into the shop on Old 8 and New Brighton. Uh, they've got a really good on-site gunsmith staff and solid outside resources for those really difficult gunsmithing issues. And they have the buying power of a much larger business. But when you stroll in, 
it's it's a small town local feel, and that's one of the reasons I love them. Uh, you'll love them if you're new to firearms and considering your first purchase. That's the place to go. That's where I went. The staff very accommodating, fair pricing, quality pr- uh, firearms, and a great staff at DK Mags, Old Eight, New Brighton, and on the web dkmags.com. Minnesota Masonic Charities came to Garage Logic to get the word out, and the word is originally. What do these guys do? They have secret meetings, wear the funny hats, and have the funny handshakes? Well, there might be a little bit of truth to that, but the fact is that the secret wasn't out. And that's the reason that Minnesota Masonic Charities came to Garage Logic because of the reach and said, we want to tell garage logicians and the entire world what we're all about. And they are all about charity. In 06, a bunch of guys and gals came together and they said, listen, let's do this. We want to be philanthropic. I know it's a big word for me, but that is what they're doing. And again, right now they told me to feature Crescent Cove, which does a wonderful job with families and kids that have a really tough go in uh, that point in their life. And it gives them a place to go and relax. And that is the reason that Minnesota Masonic Charities donates to Crescent Cove. If you'd like to learn more about Minnesota Masonic Charities, go to mnmasoniccharities.org. mnmasoniccharities.org. Do all the drop-downs. Educate yourself. That's what they want. They want to be out there in the open. If you have questions, 952-948-6200. But their website, mnmasoniccharities.org, can answer all the questions that you may have. The secret is out in Garage Logic. Minnesota Masonic Charities are doing great work, and they're online at mnmasoniccharities.org. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. Hey, you didn't make the book, did you? Uh, I'm not in this book. You know that I am? Did uh, did Rook make this book? Sure did. Well, according to the author, you have not made <laughs> no, this sure book. sure did. Uh, late in the book, about 359. I am heavily medicated, though, so I... <laughs> I'm a step... What page? 359. Just a minute. Okay. I won't tell you who said it, but uh, this person says, I'm a step above a rookie. Well, I caught that, that right away. That, Boom. That's that's, not, I'm sorry, that's me right there. Lower in case, the book. Lowercase or capital? Not I'm reference. not a dog. I'm no longer a dog in the... <laughs> the competition that uh let me re- let me start that sentence over. Uh, prior to the American Assassin series when Mitch Rapp was uh, running around the world taking care of bad guys, we did get a flavor of the idea that he also faced intense competition just within his own CIA. Yeah. Uh but that's really that's really illuminated in the American Assassin series when you and I, I, I happen to believe it's more true than fiction. Oh, yeah. That the, the forces working against Mitch Rapp uh, are often coming from Washington, D.C. as much as they're coming from jihad. Absolutely. Right? These, yeah. people, these people are uh, backstabbing, cutthroat uh, political survivors mm-hmm. who, uh, and in this book, I'm not going to give anything away, but... Uh, he's thrown into a situation in this second prequel, if I may call it that. He's thrown into a situation here where he quite literally doesn't even know if he can trust the people that, that trained him and the ones he likes the most. Yep. He can't trust them. It, yep. it's, it, how, much of that, how much of that is taking place? It, it takes place all the time, and with turnover it takes place. Now, um, you've got Petraeus in charge at Langley right now, and I right. can tell you that there are people who um, 
for a very valid reason, were not happy that he be, you know, became director and still aren't happy. Mm-hmm. And it's because he owes his allegiance to the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And these huge bureaucracies, while they might respect each other and work as well as they can, there are budget battles. There's there's battle for each one of them to take credit when something goes right. There's battles to blame somebody when something goes wrong. And um, the CIA, their hands are usually tied. They mm-hmm. can't run out and talk about it. They can't go hold a press conference and say what happened where you've got generals in the Pentagon and colonels leaking stuff in the White House. You know, The White House has been in the news lately for, for talking way too freely about these SEAL missions right. that we've conducted. Are they talking too freely, by the way? You know... I, I kind of half laugh. I, I heard an interview last week about it, and I thought, well, you could pick up one of my books. <laughs> you mm-hmm. you could have read it all on Memorial Day. You right. would have learned everything they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, so part of me says, I don't think the enemy's that dumb. But there's stuff that I found out about the Bin Laden raid that I haven't shared. You know, we had that really interesting phone conversation mm-hmm. or interview on the show after that went down. Mm-hmm. And I found out a few things since that that, you know, I've, I haven't repeated because mm-hmm. I, uh, the person who told me said, "If you know, don't talk about this because we have assets that will be compromised." Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference between kind of letting the enemy know what your strategy is, and then exposing assets is a big problem, which the Obama administration did. And then we had that doctor that got arrested over there, and he's been thrown in jail in right. Pakistan. But isn't it true that there are Congress people and senators who, who, when they get wind of a Mitch oh. rap, I mean, doesn't the uh, don't the feathers hit the fan there? Yeah, they talk too freely. They some of them don't like it. It's why um, you know the CIA will not tell these guys anything till the last second, and give the Obama administration some credit. That's why they didn't tell anybody till the last second when gonna, they went in. I was going to ask you, where do you rate this president uh, in terms of his uh, tenacity? National security. Yeah. Well, you, I can't fault him for the drone policy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Petraeus and I had a big conversation about this in D.C. About uh, two and a half years You're ago. You're the only guy I know who can drop names and sound normal doing it. Petraeus and I had a conversation in Washington, D.C. Yes. Hey, I've, I've, oh, you're really, you're one of the guys I know who can drop names like that, and it works. Elsewhere, it would, it would be something like, Yes, as I had lunch with the General Petraeus, <laughs> I had a salami sandwich, and I flew on my own plane. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Here we go. Yes, uh, very humble, yes. Something That's what like I, that. I wasn't even Something referring like to him, but I get a kick out of it when Vince does it, because it, it just it works. Anyway, you're talking to Petraeus. So we're talking to Petraeus, and we start to get into this this exact discussion about drone strikes. Mm-hmm. And I said, General, you know, respectfully, I don't see the difference between a SEAL team sniper shooting a guy in Islamabad from, you know, a half a mile away and you guys slamming a Hellfire missile into a mud hut. In fact, I'd argue that the SEAL sniper is is the more accurate play. You, mm-hmm. You're going to reduce collateral damage. And he just said, you know, no, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, what, you know, there is semantically there is no difference between uh, firing a 308 from a rifle mm-hmm. and hitting a guy in the head and firing a, a guy sitting in Phoenix, right. flying a Predator drone, getting the OK signal, and then he fires a Hellfire missile and it hits a mud hut. Mm-hmm. There is no difference. No, there isn't. So I'll give the president credit for that. I'll give him uh, credit for the fact that when they finally, the men and women at the CIA and the DOD and the NSA and everybody else, when they finally tracked down bin Laden, he gave him the go sign. Right. So you, you can't take that away from the guy. You've met a number of presidents. Have you met Obama? I have not. All right. I've met President Clinton and President Bush, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And uh, both, you know, 
it won't come as any surprise. Clinton is unbelievably charming. Uh, the surprise with President Bush is he is unbelievably charming in person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're talking to the guy and you just you think, why can't you do this on television? Today I'm pleased to announce that I have nominated an outstanding military officer. <laughs> Admiral, Ed, Admiral Ed Gian Bastian. Gian Bastiani. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Sorry, Bob. He shall be known as Admiral G. G Money. Admiral G Money. Who is who is Irene who who is Irene Kennedy in your life? And don't tell me it's just a fictional character you made up. It is. Who is Irene Kennedy it is in your absolutely life? Absolutely a fictional character. Where did she come character. from? Um Strangely a enough, school teacher, no, a no, friend of your mom's. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. Strangely enough, I'm writing term limits, and and she at the time is a counterterrorism director at the CIA, uh, and he she, Irene Kennedy was in term limits. She's and, been with you this long. Yes, and that's she, why I'm asking you. Who is she in your she life? She was a he. No. Yes, and so Teresa, transsexual. Teresa, no, no, no. Transsexual. Do you remember Teresa McFarland? She's another oh, yeah. Tommy. She ran yes. PR over at the Mall of America. Yes. Great gal. Yes. So she reads one of the manuscripts and she says, Vinny, because she worked in D.C. for a while. She said, you don't have any, you don't have any female characters. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I said, you know what? You're right. And I re- So I went back in and I rewrote that character. And I can't remember what the guy's name was. But I have a niece, uh, uh, Kennedy Irene Flynn. And I took the Irene Kennedy and made that her name. So and, uh, it's no, a secret you're just going to keep. No, yourself. Joe, it really, yeah. Joe. I uh, who's Thomas Stansfield? Thomas, I, I, to me, that would have been an easier character to create. Joe, for me, I, I literally will take these people and I sit down with a clear mind, mm-hmm. and I I start to think about them, and I start to make notes, and I come up with uh, multiple names, and I combine, I find the right one, I give them certain attributes, and then they just take on a life of their own. Well, Stan Hurley's a coach you used to have. Has to be somebody well, you ran there, into. There's some of that. Right, there's right. some of that. And you know who? There's some Don Imus and Stan Hurley. Oh, a little bit. Sure. Yeah, and, and there's definitely that throwback. I don't give a crap what anybody mm-hmm. thinks. Hurley is probably the most enjoyable character that I have worked on for all 13 books. Boy, See, I, 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 I hated guy. him in this book. I hated him. Mm, he saw, I didn't know what was going to happen. He was more humorous. An American assassin. Oh yes, much. Yeah. This much. this one he <laughs> this was. Is, uh, that doesn't hurt. I thought, he was, I thought he was going to, uh, to the dark side on this one. Well, yeah. I mean, it's I can't give the book away, so I won't. I it comes saw out him Tuesday. as the guy from Full Metal Jacket, the uh, the DI, Hurley, <laughs> more of a a, an, an, a rough an American assassin, and in Killshot. That's who I picture when I see a Stan Hurley. Well, see, Matt's letting something out of the bag here. He actually read both both books. of them. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, somebody told me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody told me that. We're going to take a quick uh, break and uh, be back with the weather. GLers Reavers here once again for the best. That's my friends at Hofferman Water, an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental options for Connecticut water treatment systems. That includes water softeners, iron rust, and odor filtration systems, and of course, drinking water systems. You know, a new system from Connecticut can just do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot do. It's going to cut down on your salt usage, but it's also going to protect your appliances. It's well known. We have some of the hardest water in the state of Minnesota, and I'm living example of it. My water was terrible when I had first had Hofferman water in Connecticut out at my place, and they said, boy, 
you got to do something here. And I'm so glad that I did. And I wish I had done it sooner, to be perfectly honest. And you will be so happy if you make the choice to go with Hofferman Water and Connecticut. So spring's busy for them. Get on that schedule right now. Call them today, 952-894-4040. That's 952-894-4040. Or just visit their website, HoffermanWater.com. Hofferman Water has been proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. Please tell them that you're going to here on the Garage Logic Podcast. Aim High Construction back with us for the spring and summer on Garage Logic and ready to book your spring and summer construction project. Uh, the owner, Chris Miller, not only a longtime GLer, but he's also a, a veteran and he and his crews, boy, they do a good job on all things related to construction. That's both residential and commercial. And really, they can do it all. Roofing, siding, decks, interiors, kitchens, bathrooms, the downstairs, upstairs, uh, concrete, a garage. Do I need to go on? Shops, garages, whatever you need, they do amazing work. Get in touch with Chris at aimhighconstructionmn.com as soon as you possibly can. Get that bid ball rolling and get your project on the schedule. Uh, schedule. They're very, very busy, but they always put us GLers first. And remember, when you go with Aim High Construction, you're going with the very best. Get in touch with Chris today, aimhighconstructionmn.com. Here in the Channel 5 Weather Center is Ken Barlow. All right, Joe, as we uh, don't see any snow here for the next week or so, they are getting snow in Des Moines and out toward Omaha and parts of the rest of Nebraska could see a blizzard. It's even snowing in Rome, Italy. That's unusual. For Low- the first time in 26 years. It's been a long time. Oh, you're ahead of me there. Yeah. Low clouds and fog overnight tonight. Temperatures near 26. Again, much above the average. Tomorrow, same thing. 38. Partial sun developing in the afternoon. The best day, Joe, looks like Sunday. 40 with sunshine. Monday, 42. Tuesday, cooler and 25. All right, thank you. Uh, the uh, next book is uh, has been uh, started. Yeah. You're uh, you're not going to do a uh, book tour for this book. No, but we, I did sign copies in town. Yep. All the Barnes and Nobles. And Are you going to New York Monday? Going to New York on Monday for uh, to do Imus and well, a bunch make of other sure radio. that you tell Imus that he's the second <laughs> uh, radio interview. I will do that. Yeah, Absolutely. this this show remains the this first. This is our tradition. This is a, a tradition like none other. Yes, and the new book could be anticipated as soon as November because you anticipate no uh, stoppage this time. No, I feel good. Uh, the radiation is going to continue to work for another couple of years probably. So uh, feeling good, and I'll continue to feel better. And uh, what do you think of uh, your, uh, what are your Super Bowl plans? That's terribly crucial for us to know. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be alone in a hotel room in New York City. Oh, you're going to leave before so Monday. Because I'm on early with Imus. Yeah. And when we, did, when we booked the interview, I didn't even think anything of it. Yeah. So my, my stepson, Dane, I think is kind of bummed. He's yeah. got to watch the game with... Uh, the, the sisters and the gals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So maybe one of his buddies can stay over, but we'll be calling. I'll be calling in between, you know, quarters to check out. The uh, new book, the second in the American Assassin subtext of the Mitch Rapp series, it's fantastic. It's called Kill Shot, and it'll be in the stores this Tuesday. Uh, best wishes to you. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Always right. appreciate it. All right, thank you. 1500 ESPN is KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis, and now available in high definition on 107.1 FM, KTMY Coon Rapids, HD2. It's 33 degrees. Garage Logic will be back in just a few minutes. 
Yep, it's Reavers back here in the GL Podcast Studios, and Joe actually heard me starting to do and produce the best of Garage Logic, and he says, why are you doing Vince? And I said, I'll tell you why, because I personally just wanted to hear that again. That's why I thought it would be fitting and kind of fun to replay one of many, many times that Vince Flynn always appeared first on the Garage Logic show when he had a new book out, and that was his loyalty, and that was the kind of guy that he is. So anyway, hope you enjoyed this best of Garage Logic. It's Reavers here signing off for the week, and I will see you a week from Monday. I know to the delight of a lot of listeners. <laughs> hope you've enjoyed. Have a great weekend, GLers. It's true. Some of us GLers are fairly obsessive about our lawns. If you want the best lawn on the block, you've got to go with ProfessionalTurf.com, a Minnesota lawn care company since 1982. ProTurf has service techs with over 20 years of, I almost said 70, 20 years of experience uh, that have been servicing the same route. So they get to know your lawn. When I lived in uh, South Minneapolis, I got to tell you, my lawn was ProTurf's problem, but ProTurf has this really cool toot-sweet policy, meaning if you see something janky on your lawn in the middle of the season, get a hold of them, and they'll be out toot-sweet, and they'll take care of that. They'll rectify it for you. That's what they do. Schedule a free in-person lawn care analysis and estimate right now at ProfessionalTurf.com. A ProTurf tech will uh, come out once the snow has melted and then customize a slow-release fertilizer and weed control program. Safe and environmentally guaranteed. You'll get a great lawn Just click away, professionalturf.com.